If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in the book of Exodus, and we're going to flip between chapter number 4 and chapter number 9. So keep your Bibles open, and, uh, and, and we'll go slow. Exodus chapter number 4 is where we'll begin the book of Exodus in chapter number 4. This morning, I, I want to make a statement before I get started, kind of lead you toward the direction that, uh, that God has put on my heart this morning. Satan is powerful, but God is powerful earth. Satan is big. God is bigger. Satan is strong. God is stronger. Satan can outdo each and every one of us ten times over again. But God can outdo him ten times over again. As we go through this life and as we, we look through this world, we, we see evil, we see bad, we see terrible, awful things. Some more than others, but as much trouble and, and distress as we may see, we have to remember that, that God is on our side if we let Him be. God will fight for us if we let Him. We, we find here in the book of Exodus and, and that most of the book of Exodus is Israel's journey out of Egypt. And whatever we find here in the beginning is, is God is telling Moses, hey, go, go lead my people out. Go take care of them. Go tell them I have come to rescue them to, to get them out of here. And the first thing that Moses had to do was Moses had not only to realize that God is on his side, but Moses had to obey him. Whenever God came to Moses in the burning bush, we all know the story. God said, take your shoes off your own holy ground. Had Moses not obeyed him, has Moses said, nope, I'm not doing it. And Moses didn't make excuses. What, what kind of excuses did Moses make? Anybody remember? He said, uh, he said the same thing we all say in high school whenever the teacher says stand up and give a presentation, right? I can't do it. I'm not good at talking in front of people. You know what the number one fear in America is? Public speaking. Number one fear in America. Public speaking. Moses said, I'm not good at talking in front of people. I'm not eloquent of speech. God said, that's not a problem. I have a solution. Moses still could have said no, but he didn't. The first step in realizing and understanding that God is always on our side is, is conditional upon us obeying Him. God is no longer on our side if we walk away from Him. God is no longer fighting for us if we walk away from Him. God is no longer protecting us if we disobey Him, if we run in the opposite direction. You think about it. You, you think about a fort, a castle, whatever you may see. As long as you're inside the walls, you're protected. But you run outside the walls and the enemy can get you. As long as we remain close to God, as long as we remain sheltered in the arms of God, He'll protect us. But the moment that we begin to disobey God, whenever we begin to run from Him, whenever we say, God, I can do this by myself, that don't sound like us, does it? I can take care of it. I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. I'm good enough. And we're sitting there lying to ourselves because we're not. As big and bad as we may think we are, Satan is bigger and badder than we are. The power of, of, of evil is bigger and badder than we are. But it's not bigger than God. Exodus chapter number 4, verse number 1. Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. God told Moses to go. Moses said, They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to say, No, God hadn't talked to you. The Lord said unto him, verse 2, what is that in that hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. God may have lost me right there. He may have lost me right there. I don't do snakes. He said, cast it on the ground and it, it became a snake. I have allowed a snake 
to own my boat before. I was going down the river minding my own business and then the snake fell in the boat and the snake had that boat to himself. I took shelter in the water. I don't do snakes. I don't like snakes. Moses did. God didn't tell Moses that I'm going to turn this into a snake. He said cast it on the ground. He didn't say I'm going to make it explode. I'm going to make it fly. I'm going to twist it into a knot. He didn't tell him what he was going to do. He said Moses cast your rod on the ground and Moses said boom. The first step in knowing that God is on our side is obeying God. Moses said, these people aren't going to believe me. They're, going to not, they're not going to believe that you spoke to me. God said, obey me. Moses threw his rod on the ground. It turned into a snake. You think Moses' perspective changed? Would your perspective have changed? Verse number three, he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled just like I would have from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. <laughs> he would have lost me there again. God may tell us to do difficult things. God may ask us to do something that is contrary to our nature. But God won't ask us to do something that will do us harm. What's, the, what's that favorite football verse that everybody puts on the side of their football helmet and on their batting gloves on the baseball field? And they stick it on their car and they hang it on the wall in their house. Book of Romans, my dad's favorite verse. He said, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. God allowed Paul to be bitten by a snake. A viper came out of the fire and latched onto his hand. But the poison didn't hurt him. God didn't say that we wouldn't be hurt. God didn't say that we wouldn't have to find things that was uncomfortable. God didn't say that we would never have to grab a snake by the tail. But he said that he would protect us. Moses grabbed this snake by the tail, this serpent by the tail. And he put it forth his hand and caught it. Verse number 4. And it became a rod in his hand. Verse 5. That they may believe the Lord of God of their fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, have appeared unto thee. He said, Moses, this is how you prove it. This is where you begin. Flip over to chapter number five, 7. Exodus chapter number 7. Verse number 1. The Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God and a Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. And thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, and he shall send the children of Israel out of this land. Now God is telling Moses right here, he said, Moses, this is what's going to happen. How many plagues deep do you think Moses got before he got to wondering, God, is this guy really going to let these people loose? Is he really going to let them loose? How, how long do you think Moses believed in God until he started doubting? Anybody in here ever doubted God? It can't be just me. Sometimes in our life we come across things and we ask ourselves, God, is this really what you want from me? God, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? It's a shame we can't pick up the phone and call God and ask Him and get an answer just as clear as I'm talking to you. But God speaks clearer than that. He speaks not, not to our mind, not to our eyes. He, he speaks to our heart. He speaks through His Holy Spirit that dwells within His people. And God tells us, I got you. But Ed, I told him he stomped all over my sermon this morning in Sunday school. I read and studied Sunday school lesson and it had nothing to do with my message this morning. But we kind of get off subject in the men's Sunday school class sometimes. And he read from Psalm 23. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He said, though I... 
Though I walk through the middle of my enemies, many of y'all may have seen the picture. After Hurricane Katrina, all the cows down south, they got loose, the fences went, went down and everything. And they had this road, long road. And they had uh, water on both sides, and alligators was, was right up on the edge of this road. And this big Brahma bull was walking down that road. Alligators on both sides. And the caption of it was, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And that, that, that really made sense to me. Because in this life, and, and even Moses and Aaron here, they were walking right through the middle of their enemies. They were walking right up to a man who could have lopped their head off just like that. And probably would have loved to do it. But why didn't he? Why could Pharaoh not cut their head off? Why could Pharaoh not have them killed? Why, why did they survive? Because God protected them. God said, you go for me. Verse number 2, Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, and he shall send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden to Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you. God is telling them, this is what's going to happen. Pharaoh will not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. He said, not only am I going to show Pharaoh, he said, I will show all the people. I will show everybody that I am the Lord. Moses and Aaron, here we go. Did as the Lord commanded unto them. Moses and Aaron did it. God protected them because they obeyed him. Satan could not reach them. Verse number 7. Excuse me, let's go down to verse number 8. The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto thee, show a miracle. Then shalt thou say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Pharaoh sat here and watched a staff, a rod made out of wood. He watched it hit the ground and become a snake. But watch this. Verse 11, Pharaoh called all the wise men, the sorcerers, and magicians of Egypt. And they also did like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. For a lot of, a lot of years, I missed everything that the magicians and the sorcerers did. I, I, I missed it. I read over it. I, I didn't pay close attention to it. Aaron threw down his stick and it turned into a snake. And these magicians who had power, they had power, threw down their sticks, rods, staffs, whatever you may call it, and they became snakes. Just like Moses and Aaron. But read the tail end of that verse. But Aaron's rods swallowed up their rods. The magicians, the sorcerers, those who were serving evil, those who were serving Satan, those who had the power of the prince of the air, those who had the power of the world. They had power, but God had more. They were strong, but God was better. The Houston Astros were good, but the Atlanta Braves were better. There's always somebody better. There's always, and, and people say it all the time, there's always a bigger fish. Whenever you think you're the biggest fish in the sea, there is always a bigger fish. Always. Man just thinks he's at the top of the food chain. 
Satan may be powerful. Satan may have all kind of... Satan can do works and wonders just as God can. But God is bigger. Satan's servants threw down their rod and it became snakes. But God's snake ate Satan's snakes. We can't miss that part. Jump down to verse number 22. They turned the water in Egypt to blood. Verse 22, And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. They did the same thing. You know, all my life I, I read that, that Aaron's rod swallowed the rest of them. But I've never really paid attention to that verse at all. The fact that, that the sorcerers and the magicians did so with their enchantments. They changed water to blood as well. They did the same thing. Flip over, if you would, to chapter number 8. In verse number 7. Verse 6, Aaron stretched his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Aaron did the he, he, he. God brought frogs up. Guess what? Satan did too. Satan did too. God was powerful and God was showing his power. But Satan was showing his power too. He was showing it. He was trying to show God up. Hasn't that been the purpose of Satan ever since he was cast out of heaven? To try to show God up, to, to try to be better, to try to conquer, to, to try to do, to try to belittle God? Down to verse number 16, if you would. Lord said unto Moses, Sit down there and stretch out, stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, and it become lice throughout the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand. With his rod smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice and man and beast and all the dust of the land throughout Egypt. Excuse me, throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians, magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth life, but lice, but they could not. They tried, but they could not. You ever played shot for shot in basketball? Some of you may have, some of you may not. And you do it in baseball too. But whenever you play shot for shot, you pick a spot on the court and you shoot. And if you make it, the next person has to come stand right here. And then you choose another shot. It's kind of like playing horse. And you, you shoot, or you step back and you shoot further. It's kind of like the egg toss. You throw an egg, and then you step back. You throw the egg, and then you step back. And eventually, somebody's egg is going to break, right? They threw the rods, and they turned into snakes. And then they took a step back. And then they brought the frogs up out of the water. Both Aaron and the magicians. And then they took a step back. And then Aaron said, watch what God's going to do. He, he hit the ground. He hit the dust. And it became lice. And every man and every beast in Egypt. And the magicians tried. And they tried. And, and they couldn't do it. And their egg broke. They missed the shot. They lost right there. And all of Egypt saw that God was bigger. That God was better. Verse number 19 and I love this verse. Now, I don't know why I missed it too. Verse number 19, Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. They saw rods turn to snakes. And they said, Well, maybe Aaron is doing this. They saw water turn to blood. And they said, Well, this man must be strong. But whenever he did something that they couldn't, they said, This is the finger of God. The magicians, the astrologers, those that, that worship, no doubt, 
that the idols of Egypt that did not worship God, those who did not recognize God, they saw Him this day. They saw Him and they, they admitted, they recognized, they said, this, <clears throat> this is the finger of God. Turn over to chapter 9 if you would. Verse number 11. Well, let's back up to verse 10. And they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses sprinkled it toward the heaven. And it became a boil breaking forth with blames upon man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. And the boils were upon the magicians and upon the Egyptians. They could not stand. After all the magic they did, after all the, the neat things that they did, anybody ever seen a magic trick and you're just sitting here thinking, how in the world did he do that? The Egyptians saw these things that were happening. The, the frogs didn't just show up in Pharaoh's house. The frogs showed up all over Egypt. A lot of these things that happened, happened everywhere except for the, the land of Goshen. The children of Israel were. They were protected. They were God's people. God took care of them. God took care of Moses and Aaron. Throughout this entire time, Pharaoh kept calling them. He said, take these plagues away from us. Help us. And they would. And over and over again, God protected Moses and Aaron as they went into Pharaoh. And over and over again, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Verse number 12. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them. As the Lord had spoken unto Moses. Throughout this whole ordeal, God had told Moses, He said, I will have to multiply my wonders. He said, He won't let, he won't let them go. He said, over and over and over again, you will face this. But the real big difference in this story, flip over, let's read one other. In chapter 9, verse number 26. Chapter 9 and 26. Only the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. Hail had taken the land. Hail smote throughout the land of Egypt. Verse 25. It was in the field, both man and beast. The hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only the land of Goshen, only where God's people were, was prepared. So what is the main difference here? In this entire story, in Pharaoh and Moses, what is the difference? Other than the fact their names are spelled different. What is the difference in Pharaoh and Moses? Pharaoh had power, Moses didn't. We understand that. But who did they trust in? Who did Pharaoh trust in? Who did Pharaoh believe in? Who did Pharaoh just absolutely love? Every time Moses came to him, what did he do? He called for the magicians. He called for the sorcerers. He called for those who he called for those who produced magic. He called for those who, who played with people. He called for those who, who, who made people see things they really didn't see or, or fooled people. He called for the deceivers. He called for those that had the power of, of Satan and not of God. He called for those who in our day we call them false prophets. He called for those who used shows rather than substance. He called for those that, that had big words and nothing behind them. He called for those that, that wanted so hard to make a difference in the lives of people for their own benefit, for their own gain, not for any other reason. He trusted solely in this world. Pharaoh trusted in the magicians. He trusted in the people. He trusted in their magic. He trusted in their deceitfulness. 
He trusted in what they could do by their power. What did Moses and Aaron trust in? Moses said, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. God said, Moses, I will make you as a God unto these people. And Aaron will be your prophet. He said, I will lift you up. I, I, I will raise you up. And each time that a plague come upon the land of Egypt, Pharaoh called Moses and he said, Moses, go. He, he told him at one point, he said, go into the wilderness, three days journey and sacrifice unto your God so that these plagues might be taken from us. He begged Moses to go and to, to sacrifice unto the one true God. Pharaoh knew what the one true God is. And the next time it happened, Pharaoh called to his magicians. This was right before the balls. He, he said, go and, and sacrifice unto your God. Pharaoh knew who God was. Amen. Pharaoh recognized it. The magicians knew it. They recognized it. But the big difference in Pharaoh and Moses was who they trusted in. Who they obeyed. This morning, there's a lot of evil in this world. There really is. Lots of it. Everywhere you go, and then this morning Sunday school it was mentioning, if you go 50 miles away from here, you'll, you'll see people that, that aren't motivated to go to church anymore. If you go one mile from where I'm standing, you'll see people that aren't motivated anymore. You don't have to go 50 miles. You'll see people that don't want to be in church. You'll see people that don't want to worship God. You'll see people that would much rather go play golf, much rather sleep in, much rather watch cartoons, much rather do things that they ought not be doing than come to church. You see people who want so bad to trust in the things of this world. I trust in that truck out there to get me from place to place. But I trust God more. Because God can make it stop. I trust these pews to hold me up, but I have to trust God more because He can cause them to fail. I trust in the walls of my well, trailer, matchbox, to protect us. But I trust in God more. When the wind starts blowing, we don't pray to the trailer. We pray to God. When trouble starts happening in our life, we don't pray to, to people. We don't pray to doctors. We pray to God. Whenever trouble arises in our country, we don't, we don't pray to politicians. We pray to God. Because that's where our strength lies. Peter said that Satan walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan knows his time on this earth is short, and his goal is to take as many people away from God as he possibly can. And he does so just as he did in the Old Testament, through magic, through tricks, through, through deceit. That is it. You ever heard of the wow factor? Whenever I'm teaching kids how to do speeches at school, I tell them you, you have to make... You have to make the person judging you, you have to make them remember you. If they don't remember you, you're not going to get a good score. You can give the best speech that ever has been given, but if they don't remember you, you hadn't done good enough. You have to have a wow factor. You have to give them a reason for you to be stuck in their head. God has that wow factor. God is that wow factor. And Satan wants so bad to take the place of God in our minds. And he has already in so many across this country. He has told people that you don't have to go to church to worship God. You can sit in your pajamas and stream it on TV. And that is a lie straight from hell itself. 
You don't have to go to church to worship God. You don't ever have to go to church again. Churches are made up of hypocrites. Churches are made up of, of sinful people. Churches is just people arguing with each other. The church is made up of the children of God. The church, Miss Marietta played that song this morning, is made up of the family of God. Are all families perfect? If any, if any of you have siblings, there's a very, very, very good chance that at some point in time you have fought with your siblings. If you hadn't, then God bless you. But if you have brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, parents, at some point in time you don't see eye to eye. Everybody in church don't see eye to eye, but we're not supposed to. We're supposed to see God. We're not supposed to agree with each other on everything. We're supposed to agree with God on everything. Otherwise, we'll allow Satan to drive a wedge. In this world, there's a lot of reasons not to come to church. God is the one reason to come to church. In this world, there's a lot of reasons not to read your Bible. God is the one reason that we do read our Bible. Flip over, if you would, to Psalm 147. While you turn in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything that I cannot do? Is there any situation that I can't get you out of? Is there any trouble that you find yourself in that I can't lead you through? Is there any storm that I cannot calm? In Matthew chapter 8, he told the disciples, he said, Y'all don't have any faith. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said, oh, ye of little faith. He calmed the storm. Brother Tommy, when he was in revival, he preached, he said, sometimes God calms the storm, sometimes God calms me. But either direction, God takes care of us. If He calms the storm, God is taking care of us. If He calms me, God is taking care of us. Psalm 147, verse number 3. He heals the broken in heart. And bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of stars and calleth them by name. Great is our Lord. And of great power. His understanding is infinite. We sing a song. I think the kids may have sang it here before. How great is our God. How great is our God. That is a question, but it's kind of an open-ended question because we don't have words to describe how great our God is. Though the God of this world may be powerful, the God of heaven, the God that we serve, is more powerful. Though Satan may be conniving, God is stronger. Though Satan may be big, God is bigger. And this morning, if you're here and you hadn't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now Satan is bigger than you. Right now Satan has got you convinced that you don't need God. Satan has got you blinded to how big God is. Because if you really knew the God that we know and serve, the God that we love and the God that loves us, and you would trust in Jesus and you would know Him as we do. Whatever Satan has thrown in your way this morning, it's, it's tough and it's powerful. And it's strong and it, it, may be, it may be hard to overcome. But Jesus said, I have already overcome the world. I already have. He said, you don't have to overcome it. I've already overcome it. Believe in me. 
This morning, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, through Christ you can overcome the world as well. Believe in a God who has already overcome the world. Believe in a Savior who has already overcome the world. John in in chapter 3 says, Whosoever believeth in Him. If you'll believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for you, if you'll believe in your heart that He rose again from the grave, that He did it all for you, God for Jesus' sake can save you this morning, right now. And you'll understand, you'll come to realize, you'll come to know that even though Satan is powerful, even though Satan is big, even though the power of this world is strong, God is powerfuler. God is bigger. God is better. God is stronger. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, we have a verse of a song. I'd like to offer a verse of invitation. Someone might have something on their heart. We'll give you an opportunity.